Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tor, Tori, Taurus. And so today, um, I told you that last night, we were going to have big news drop, or early today in the morning. It turns out, I'm, I guess, 1 a.m. Eastern Time, 11 o'clock at night, wherever you were, when you got the news, you got it. And this was anticipated. I kind of hinted on it on Twitter, kind of hinted on it on my show on the 28th of September. Just a little hint, hint. I'm going to tell you the next thing you need to watch out for is something big coming uh, that is dangerous, dangerous to the people. And that'll be between October 15th and 17th. Now, why am I telling you this? Because we already know. So it's not that dangerous. Just like we already knew about the news, hence why it's not that dangerous. And I'll demonstrate that to you and give you a little bit more insight. You have to understand that on public channels uh, such as Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, wherever I am, I mean, on other ones, I'm a little bit more dangerous and pretty out there, right? But on these channels that are more public, I have to be careful of what, how, and when I say things. One, is to not tip off, but kind of tip off. Not really, though. Two, two, to skirt the censorship, because um, that's a very big deal. So where do we start with today? I'm thinking, let's, uh, I know everyone's like, oh my gosh, President Trump and Melania are being quarantined. So was Mark Meadows at some point. So was Ratcliffe at some point. So was, so was, so was, so was. This couldn't have been more perfect, and I'll explain why. Uh, aside from the fact that um, the world is literally on fire, uh, we have to mitigate. And mitigation is important. Mitigation, mitigation. See, so, yeah, we already knew what was happening, what was going on, and how it was going to go on. Because, you know, some of us have special abilities to do certain things and see certain things. Maybe we just have the right upgrades. One thing, one thing that I have to say, though, is, is that yesterday, well, it isn't yesterday, it was today, uh, in the wee hours of the morning, I did a little bit of fancy math. And... Um, it was, it was troubling for me. It's very troubling for me when I peak only because, you know, in order to peak, you have to be past, present, and future simultaneously. And so it's very, mm, very, how do I say, overwhelming, I would say, overwhelming. But I want you to remember one thing, and I saw it in the Telegram chat. Very important. If I 
I've given this example before. If I believe in my heart that I can float, right? I literally just float. Look, look at me, I'm flying. It's not going to happen. Why? Because everyone around me believes that I don't have that ability. But if everyone around me believed that I was Superman and that I can put my fist up and start flying, guess what? I'll be flying. We resonate. We resonate on frequencies. I've mentioned this before. And this is why I said it was going to be very, very important as to coming up to the elections and what's to happen post elections. And, and it would be, um, short term talking till right before Christmas, how important it is that, uh, we have a solid grounding to ourselves internally where we can discern fact from fiction, where we can discern good and bad, where we can discern a lot of things. Now I know there's a, there are a lot of people that, that I, I, I have a, a, a few people that follow me on Facebook. And in late August, I changed my header. Obviously, I changed it because I didn't want to advertise a station that's a lefty, you know, pretending to be a righty, right? But I changed it and I picked a very specific picture. And it was a picture of the White House looking red, but it was really pink. And um, at magenta, <laughs> magenta. And uh, I had someone DM me, hey, why'd you put that? Is that like a red White House? Why is it red? And I said, well, it's kind of red, but it's really pink. Why? Well, you'll see. Give it a bit. And yesterday we saw that. So we'll start with there before we get into the more technical um, aspects of today's show. Uh, so you can understand a few things because, huh, you know, the best way to keep uh, the nation safe is to keep our president safe. And, and that's of utmost importance. And it's not like someone's going to say, no, you know, that's not true. Corona, he doesn't have coronavirus. They're not going to say that, you know, they're really not. So let's take a listen to an interview that our president had with um, Hannity yesterday. That was um, quite uh, revealing. You, um, we have a lot of ground to cover and very little time to do it. Um, there's an election in 33 days. Uh, right. You know, I went through a lot of things and, you know, I don't know. Um, we always say the words, this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. And uh, Mark is right. If you look at the debate with Paul Ryan years ago, Joe Biden um, interrupted a lot, fought a lot, was was. But from all my interviews with you, you don't apologize for fighting to take out the caliphate or Soleimani or al-Baghdadi or the al-Qaeda le leader in, in Yemen. You, you don't seem to mind to fight to get the money for the wall or fight for lower taxes or, or to go out and, and fight for energy independence or fight for the justices you promised you put on the Supreme Court. Um, some people say, well, maybe the president shouldn't have fought so hard in the debate. Well, how do you respond to them? Well, I have to do it because I know a lot of people said, look, he was losing his chain. You know, his, his, uh, if you look at what he did, he was probably or possibly losing that coherence that everybody talks about because he's a mess. Let's face it. He's a mess. Now I could have waited, but he was saying so many lies 
that I figured it was just better to bring it up as he sang it because it was just lie after lie after lie. And uh, so I do it as he said it. I would criticize him. And I think it was effective. If you look at the polls, I mean, almost all the polls, the poll people, the polls say that I won. The Hispanics, they have me close to 70 percent to 28 uh, because they're strong people. That was the people. Telemundo poll. There was a WGM poll that had you at 61 percent. Um, yeah. Well, by the way, I, I mean, I just... would have I would have preferred letting him catch himself because because he can't issue a full statement practically. But at the same time, on the assumption that he does, he is going on and on with lie after lie. So I had to correct those lies as they came up. Too many to go back and get. She didn't have enough. We didn't have enough paper. Too many to go and get. And I, uh, I don't know. I think it was a very effective. Frankly, I'd like to leave the same format. I like the format. What if they change the talking about the debate commission asking, uh, talking about changing the rules? There are already rules agreed to. What is your reaction if they try to do that? Well, this is the rules that were agreed to. But, uh, you know, I think it would be very bad. You remember with Hillary Clinton, they uh, modulated my mic and they actually apologized for it. But they they modulated my mic. So when I looked at her they had my mic turned off or way down and I said, what's going on over here? They actually issued an apology. So we're dealing with very tricky people here. But I think you remember that very well. They modulated my mic. And they say I won all of the debates. So I was in 16, 17 debates. They say I won all of the debates. I like this format. But at the same time, uh, you know, he's got he's to be truthful. And by the way, a number of people brought up today, Sean, that he was the one that interrupted me. He started off with three major interruptions long before I started doing it to him. By the way, I want to point out tonight, uh, I know the first lady, uh, Melania uh, Trump, uh, the White House is pink tonight in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness uh, Month. Um, And she wrote that as one nation, we remember the precious lives lost. Pray to bring um, comfort and strength to those battling uh, the disease. By the way, my my mom in life had very advanced stage uh, cancer, uh, breast cancer, double mastectomy. Chemotherapy, wow. radiation, she survived it, but barely. Um, mm. So uh, it is an important thing. One in seven women uh, can get this. It's very mm-hmm. uh, scary. Let me ask you about Joe Biden will not answer the question about packing the court. Yeah. Chuck Schumer said last night that everything is on the table. That means statehood for D.C., statehood for Puerto Rico, ending the legislative filibuster. And some Democrats have even talked about moving for a constitutional amendment to end the Electoral College. Joe Biden says that it's a trick, a Donald Trump trick to tell the American people if he'll stack the courts or or do any of these things. Your response? Well, I went after him on that, and I said, are you going to stack the court? I also said, are you going to say the words law and order? He wouldn't say them. He then said law and order with safety and justice or something. But I said to him that, but, you know, we need law and order in our country. And the Democrat cities are falling to pieces with this whole, with these people running them. But uh, stacking the courts, they're going to have many justices. They want to put many because we've been beating them. And we have the nine justices, and we have a great new one going on. But now what they want to do is they want to put many additional justices on the Supreme Court so that they can. uh, It's sort of like you're losing the game and you start cheating, but they want to put many. They are. I mean, they're doing it with the ballots. They're doing it with the Supreme Court. And it's a very sad thing. But they are uh, 
they are looking to stack the court, and they are also going to add two or three new states. I heard Guam and two others that you mentioned, as you know, that would give them six automatic Senate seats, automatic, no chance, it would be very unfair, and 20-something congressional seats. So that's what they want to do. So if you you give them what they want, we really have a one-party system. You can never catch up. So they'll be talking about anywhere from four to six senators. Uh, Republicans can't win those states, although I've been better to Puerto Rico than any other president. I've given them a lot of help. But if you take a look at what's happening, they're not good to Puerto Rico. But I've been good to Puerto Rico. I have a great relationship to Puerto Rico. But they're looking for uh, statehood. A lot of Puerto Ricans don't want statehood. It'll be better the way it is now, frankly. But they want to, uh, and you've, you've been seeing this, this has been taking place. They want to put two or three states. So they want to have, they want to have 53, right? 53. What's the flag going to look like, right, John? What's the flag going to look like? They want to have 53 or 52, depending on what they do. I guess they could probably do even more than that. We have islands all over the place. Why don't they go for the whole ball game? So it's a very, very sad thing for our country. Very, very sad thing. And in all fairness to Mitch, he did not want to do the nuclear option. And I disagreed because I said they're going to do it. It turned out that they are. But but he's a legitimate guy. He, is not, he wasn't going to do the nuclear option because he thought it was bad for our country. So I understood that. I didn't go wild. But I did say it would be good to do it because they're going to do it. So it's a very sad thing. So you're going to have two or three more states added. You're going to have four or six states. Uh, Senators added 100% Democrat, 100%. You're going to have maybe 20 congressional candidates or districts added. And it's really a horrible thing. It's going to be very unfair. You're going to end up having a one-party system in the United States. So if people want to stop that, you got to vote against the Democrats. By the way, some news broke earlier this evening. Uh, Hope Hicks, who's worked for you for a long time, has tested positive for yeah. uh, coronavirus. Um, obviously, our prayers are with her. And, and by the way, everybody uh, that is, as you call, taken, gotten this invisible enemy. Uh, do you have any update on her? And where are we with therapeutics? Where are we with the vaccine? So is she did test positive. I just heard about this. She tested positive. She's a hard worker. A lot of masks. She wears masks a lot, but she tested positive. And I just went out with a test. I'll see what, you know, because we spent a lot of time and the first lady just went out with a test also. So whether we quarantine or whether we have it, I I don't know. You know, it's very hard when you're with soldiers, when you're with uh, airmen, you're with uh, the Marines and and the police officers, I'm with them so much. And when they come over to you, it's very hard to say, stay back, stay back. You know, it's it's a tough kind of a situation. It's a terrible thing. So uh, I just went for a test and we'll see what happens. I mean, who knows? But, you know, Hope very well. She's fantastic and she's done a great job. But it's very, very hard uh, when you are with people from the military or for law enforcement and they come over to you and they they want to hug you and they want to kiss you because we really have done a good job for them. And you get close and things happen. I was surprised to hear with Hope, but she's a very warm person with them. And she she knows there's a risk, but she's uh, young. And I just I just went out for a test. They just do it. It'll come back later, I guess. And uh, the first lady also, because we spend a lot of time with Hope and others. So we'll see what happens. But uh, where are we with therapeutics to, and with the vaccine? You have, in your our, view? 
you have to treat our people great. You can't just say, stay away, stay away. They come up to you. There's such love with what we've done for them, and there's such love, and you have to treat our people great. Uh, I think the vaccines are coming uh, quickly. I do think it's somewhat political. They'd like to do it. Uh, even the drug companies, they, you know, they've dealt with these people a long time. I think they'd like to do it after the election, even if it's a couple of days. But the fact is, the vaccines are coming out. The therapeutics are coming out, and they're coming out really good. Regeneron and others, other companies are great. Uh, Eli Lilly. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to see. The, the survival rate is so much better now than it was. You've seen those numbers, I guess, 95% or something like that better. So we'll yeah. have to see. I mean, I'll, I'll get my test back either tonight or tomorrow morning. But, I, you know, I spent a lot of time with Hope, and so does the First Lady. And she's tremendous. I was a little surprised, but she's, she's a very warm person. She has a hard time when soldiers and law enforcement come up, comes up to her. You know, she wants to treat them great, not say, stay away. I can't get near you. It's a, it's a very, very tough disease. Let me let me ask you this question. You have talked a lot about um, the issue of voter fraud. And, and yeah. by the way, this this was just breaking tonight as we're coming on the air uh, that the Trump campaign is suing Philadelphia over Ellen voting offices. We had one hundred thousand sure. ballots in trouble. The Heritage Foundation identified one thousand two hundred and eighty five cases of recent uh, voter fraud, including nearly a thousand convictions on the on the issues. Right. Uh, we saw the, the Trump ballots, military ballots and a waste paper basket basket in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, we had, you know, people being mailed absentee ballots and we had voter. We had a criminal conviction in New Jersey uh, attempted to bribe voters with mail in ballots. Project Veritas came out with a tape. There was a case in Florida. There's been cases all That's over right. Colorado, Florida, right. Texas. Scam. Um, and everyone knows it, John. It's a how scam, we, and how, everyone how do, knows how it. Do we, how do we have voter integrity and this idea that Hillary Clinton talked about you accepting the results of the election? Hillary said under no circumstances should Joe Biden ever concede the election. Joe said the other night he would uh, under the right circumstances. Do, do you really foresee a problem in these last-minute changes that are being made I, I mean, to me, it's incalculable how that then impacts the election. What are your thoughts? Well, in New York, they lost 100,000 ballots were sent out wrong. The envelopes were wrong. The names were wrong. Everything was wrong. So they said, oh, that's OK. We'll send out a new 100,000. OK, let's assume they get it right. What happens to the 100,000 that they sent out? They're going to be sent back by somebody and it's going to be a fraud. This is a terrible thing that's happening to our country. And, you know, the only one that knows it better than you and I and other people is the Democrats. They know it. They know it. They're smart. But I'll tell you, the big hope is that we have great federal judges and we have a lot of cases in front of these federal judges. And I think they're really talented, very smart. And uh, I think that we're going to do very well because no judge. How about this? Uh, the election ends on November 3rd, but they're giving like certain states the right to go another week. So that means we're not going to know because, you know, they're big states. That means we're not going to know the election for another week. And then if there's fraud, then there's going to be a lot of and there will be. Just take a look at New York. Take a look at the ones, the, the ballots that were thrown into a garbage can and they all had the Trump name on it. They were military ballots. They were thrown into a garbage can. The ones that were on a tray and they were thrown into a creek or a river, it's a terrible thing. And if you look at Carolyn Maloney, 
What they did to that guy that ran against her is a disgrace. That's in New York. And that's only for a congressional race. They have no idea where the votes are, where the ballots are. This is going to be all over. This is in Virginia. This is in New Jersey. It's a very, very sad thing. And hopefully we can win by a lot because I have no doubt that they're going to be doing a number. I have no doubt about it. And the press knows that, too. You know, they act so, so sacrosanct. They act so, oh, it's so terrible. He's talking about our democracy. They know what's going on. It's really a shame. If if the other side did this, you would see everybody would be arrested, put in jail. You have to see what's going on. But the good news is we just got a very good decision in Rhode Island. Great decision. We have some great decisions coming down. You have to have the votes in by November 3rd. You have to have it signed. You have to have it certified. They have to guarantee the certification. I mean, in Nevada, Sean, they don't want to have any certification of a signature. Just do a signature and they don't want to have certification. I Let think me... that you don't even I think you don't even have to sign it. And the governor is a very political person. It's a it's a ridiculous thing. We're going to win Nevada on a fair basis, but it's very hard when they send millions of ballots out and then they cheat. Uh, let me ask you, we learned this week, and this is something we broke a lot of news in the last three and a half years, not really gotten a lot of credit for it. Turns out we were right That's all along that the Obama administration knew in 2016 that, that they knew Hillary was attempting to tie you to Russia to get away and distract from her subpoenaed emails. Um, we also learn that now James Comey, along with Rod Rosenstein, along with Sally H, knowing what they know now, never would have signed the FISA applications that denied constitutional rights to Carter Page to spy on your campaign, your transition team and your presidency. Uh, Comey had amnesia on the rest of it. But we also learn that Christopher Steele's source, and that was the bulk of data, Andrew McCabe said no, no. No, no, uh, Christopher Steele files every dossier. There would be no, no FISA warrants. We now know that all of it was from a guy that the, uh, our own FBI knew to be a Russian operative for 10 years. Right. We don't have a lot of time. Your reaction to all this. Well, new it's, just news. A, it's a scam. They spied on our campaign. They got caught. The only sad thing is nothing's happening with them, and they're a bunch of crooks. They spied on our campaign. They got caught. They tried to take, they tried to do a coup, and they got caught. Now we got to see what's going to happen. It's time to move. This is ridiculous, okay? This is ridiculous. It's so sad. We caught them spying on our campaign. Never happened before. Spied before and after. And it never happened before. And I watched Comey. He couldn't remember anything, but he's writing all these books. Uh, they're guilty as hell. They should all be in jail, okay? You know it, and I know it. They should all be in jail, and it's disgraceful. It's a disgrace to our country if they don't go to jail. Hillary Clinton got caught. Comey got caught. They all got caught. And Biden, by the way, mentioned the Logan Act. That was a big part of it. And Obama, too. It's a disgrace what's happened. A disgrace. And they should do something about it. They can't let this just go on ad infinitum. They should do something about it. Let me ask you very quickly here. This selection is in 33 days. What right. is in, in the 45 seconds we have left? You've gone through things you want to do 
the economy, law and order, safety, security, and a vaccine. Are those your three top things that you want to well, accomplish? Well, it is. I mean, it is, but uh, we've already rebuilt the military, $2.5 trillion. It's the strongest military in the world by far. We have weapons, the likes of which nobody even comes close to. And so we've done that. We've uh, cut taxes at a record level. We've cut, uh, if you look at regulations, we've cut more regulations than any president. Where will the economy be in, in, by the end of this year, in your view? Well, well we I think better seconds. than that. I think you're going to see some great numbers just two days before, because you're going to have the third quarter come out just before the election. And I think you're going to be up anywhere from 22 to 35 percent in GDP. And if that's the case, that's bigger than any economic rebound in history. So I think that'll be good. Let's see what happens. But those numbers are coming out sometime prior to sometime right. prior to November 3rd, which is the election. All right, Mr. President, 33 days. The American people, the ultimate jury. Thank you for being with us. Thank you very much, John. Thank you. Because Donald Trump adds fuel to every fire. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence, it has no place in America. Because he won't stand up to any form of violence. To anyone who acted criminally in this weekend's racist violence, you will be held fully accountable. Antifa's an idea. Those who spread violence in the name of bigotry strike at the very core of America. He's got no problem with right-wing militia white supremacists and vigilantes with assault weapons. But many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. Racism is evil. And those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups that are repugnant to everything we hold dear as Americans. Antifa's an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not malicious. Mic malfunction right there. How is that? All right. So Antifa is an idea, they say. Well, I have, and I'm still looking for it, a screenshot of the Antifa chapter president, uh, the chapter of Antifa, so they're organized, not an idea, um, of North Dakota. <laughs> So I'm waiting to find that so I can retweet that because ideas don't have chapters uh, and don't have organized money. But uh, even Christopher Ray had said that they are an organized group, which they are, and they have many multiple groups that go in it. Uh, so it's uh, quite interesting um, what is transpiring and how it's transpiring. Um so before we get into discussions of the vid, uh, I want us to look at this clip with uh, Lou Dobbs and Devin Nunes talking, talking hoax before we get into it. Here we go. This is nice. Trying to take all this up and more. Congressman Devin Nunes, ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee, author of Countdown to Socialism, available now. And it is, Congressman, great to have you with us. Let's start with Thank these you. allegations about Haspel uh, blocking uh, access to declassified documents. Uh, and how successful can she be if indeed she is? 
Well, we've worked closely together uh, with the director for many, many years. Uh, I hope that that's not the case. I've read the same stories that you have. The key to all of this has been full and complete transparency and the maximum release of documentation. So no matter what intelligence agency has it, we need it and we need it now. The American people have a right to know about this information that, that is still uh, being classified. And so look, we're continuing to work as well as we can. I will tell you that uh, Director Ratcliffe has been a breath of fresh air. Uh, he was on our committee uh, for Absolutely. a long time. He was also on the Judiciary Committee. Uh, and he has been in there uh, doing his best job to try to make sure that the American people have a full picture of what was really going on back in 2016. And that's really the key here, Lou, that you know this, is, this has always been the key uh, because it never made any sense why the FBI would pick up a document like this do steel dossier that was just garbage uh, and use it. That never made any sense. And so we need all of that documentation from 2016 to get out. Well, we also have to look at what in the world the Inspector General, who's been lauded by Republicans and Democrats alike, uh, oddly enough to me, uh, investigating the investigators. Uh, the fact that uh, Horowitz did not take umbrage uh, with, uh, with that process of the FBI, uh, or as uh, former director James Comey yesterday told the uh, Senate, uh, he, everything was being done by the book, in his opinion, throughout. Yeah. Uh, this is mindlessness. You were the, amongst the very first to introduce what was really happening, uh, this plot against the president. It is clearly that. It is orchestrated among the national left-wing media, the, the Democratic Party that has become a, an outrage in this country, uh, and the intelligence community working hand-in-glove with the Democratic uh, presidential nominee of 2016, uh, Hillary Clinton, and her campaign and the Democratic National Committee. There is no guesswork here. It is obvious. It's Why obvious. in the world will the Justice Department not react? Well, I believe that they are, and I will say this, it's quite possible that the IG Horowitz that you're referring to did not see all of these documents because in fact, I am quite sure uh, that documents that I have been able to review recently are documents that we didn't have during our investigation that were clearly relevant, that quite frankly, every American needs to see the documents uh, that I have seen. Uh, and that is, it's just wrong because as, as everyone knows, uh, we had a full-blown investigation that I was leading back in right. early 2017. We had subpoenas out for this information and there was clearly an, an orchestrated effort to keep certain documents away from the legislative branch of government, both House and Senate. Uh, and that's unacceptable. And so, you know, I don't know where, the, I know everybody wants to know where DOJ is at on this. Uh, look, I don't know and I should not know. And nobody should know where this DOJ investigation is at, is at right now. But what we mm -hmm. should have is, is that every document that's in the possession of the United States government should be put out because we, you are exactly right. And this is the problem moving forward. The intelligence services in this country have been corrupted by the Democratic National Party and their propaganda arm in the media. Uh, and this is a problem that only third world countries have. Uh, and you know, as, a, as the Republican leader of the Intelligence Committee in the House, I have a duty and a responsibility to ensure that that never happens. Uh, my colleagues and the American people are counting on us to make sure that information gets out.
You're exactly right. And uh, we should point out that everyone who's been elected by the American people to serve in Congress and the Senate have precisely the same duty. And in too many cases, they are not fulfilling that duty. In fact, they're violating their oaths uh, to uh, defend this Constitution uh, and the American way of life. It's outrageous. Uh, let's turn to John Ratcliffe, who you just mentioned. Uh, mm -hmm. Indeed, he has done the nation great service in declassifying and making known these documents, and most recently and most explosively, the documents that show uh, that the intelligence uh, agencies, at least some of them, believe that uh, Hillary Clinton actually originated the idea of the Russian collusion allegations against Donald Trump and his campaign. Yeah. Where will that go? And why is it, in your judgment, that the FBI never followed through, despite so that is, referral from the intelligence community? So this is something that we actually did work on. Uh, we were mocked uh, at the time by the propaganda arm of the left, the media, uh, every establishment uh, group mm -hmm. in this town, uh, because we said there was a tradecraft problem here. And one of the criminal referrals of the 14 that we've made uh, is exactly on this issue. Uh, and so uh, Director Ratcliffe now has put out this information uh, that we, we knew about some of the information, but it's far worse than I ever imagined. And the American people need to support the Director of National Intelligence. He has a responsibility on the executive branch side to fully brief Congress and to fully get this information out to the American people. The president is now in a, a race for re-election. Uh, it is a, we are told by many of the same polling uh, uh, organizations that uh, were entirely wrong in 2016, uh, that he is running behind in a number of uh, battleground states uh, and nationally as well. And apparently there has been a decision made at the uh, Justice Department not to release the uh, information uh, that the American people need for there to be true transparency and about what will come, if anything, of the Durham investigation. This is yeah. not uh, this is not child's play, uh, and I think, frankly, Congressman, that the Attorney General uh, is uh, is playing the American people, perhaps the President. Uh, I'll put it straightforwardly to you. Well, I me, am very uncomfortable you, let me, that let this me has taken you. so long. Let me tell you what I think it is. So I, I do have confidence in Director Ratcliffe, and I do have confidence in the Attorney General, and I do have confidence in the U.S. Attorney out of Connecticut. But I think here's the issue. Uh, we've seen it time and time again. Uh, the media knows that Durham is sitting on, when I say the media, that basically means the Democratic Party, is sitting on something. It's the biggest scandal in American history right. by far. And so what they did is they ran a series of, of fake news bombs that they dropped on the U.S. attorney out of Connecticut. And I can't say this because I've never spoke to the U.S. attorney out of Connecticut, but I think it always gives pause because so many people pay attention to what the media is saying. Uh, and, you know, I would encourage everyone at the Department of Justice to ignore what the media is saying. And I can tell you uh, clearly this doesn't involve this election. So when you're talking about the dirty cops at DOJ and FBI, uh, former Clinton uh, folks, Clinton campaign people, that has nothing to do with these elections that are going on right now. So I would encourage them if there's something 
that should get out before this election, it better happen. Because look, if, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the election. The president is facing tremendous headwinds. I still believe uh, the American people are going to make the right decision and he will be reelected. Uh, but if, if, it don't, if it comes out later that there was something that really would have changed the direction of this, of this election, I mean, it'll look at once again like the intelligence services were doing what and the DOJ was doing what? Backing up the Democratic Party. And it will, I think, lead to really bad things uh, in this country. And the president, and I'll just make sure, I want to point this out. The president mentioned this in the other night. The left continues to say, and the media says, are you going to accept the results of the election? And Donald Trump did a good job. He probably should have expanded on it more. It's Biden and Clinton and Obama and the media who never accepted the results of the election, they corrupted our justice system, and they just about, just about took out a president of the United States. And that coup attempt continues to this day. It's ongoing as we speak. And because of the national left-wing media operating as instead of the being the fourth estate, they are now the fifth column in this country, and they're working in uh, perfect alignment. Uh, with job. the radical Dems, uh, the, what has become the party of hate, uh, and the deep state. Uh, and to not mince words again, this president has been under attack from right. the Democratic Party, uh, from the Democratic Congress, uh, and the Democratic leadership for over four years. And the That's result right. has been exoneration, 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 and they even pressed with a phony impeachment inquiry. Mm -hmm. uh, it is right. outrageous. By the way, they did succeed in stealing the election, uh, the midterm election of 2018, which changed well, the, the balance well, of sure, power the, the in the U.S. Congress, as you well know. Yeah, the hoax was used and the Mueller witch hunt yeah. was used to raise money to fund their 2018 elections. And to destroy a presidency. That's right. Congressman Devin Nunes, uh, who has been defending this president and this country uh, and our values throughout. We appreciate it. Good to have you here. So uh, as we see, those are the news today. Bigger news is the whole COVID. Uh, this morning, I, you know, I uh, early, early called my mom. I wanted to find out how my aunt went. Uh, she also has cancer. Uh, she had a successful surgery. Uh, my mom is doing better. She was like, you know, we saw the debate over here in the news or just like, saying he lost president trump lost and she's like but it was so unfair it's like the referee and the guy were just going after him and interrupting him he could have said a lot of things but he was so angry and you know she gave me her perspective of how someone who is outside of the united states is seeing it and how the global media is pushing it and now with covid the news overseas is just blasting with 25th amendment with all of these things so it was very purposeful to state that pence doesn't uh he's negative everybody else is negative and the president and uh the first lady are being quarantined now a lot of people have been quarantined so it's no big deal so here's where we're going to start talking about the news of the rona the vid but i'm going to remind you a few things because uh People do have short-term memory. And, uh, you know, that's something normal that people forget. They forget a lot. So um, I'm going to share with you a reminder. So I've, I've said this many times over the years, and this was purposeful. 
Your first cranial nerve, cranial nerve one, is the olfactory. And I've mentioned this in the way of if you eat ice cream or have a, uh, you know, those um, slushies or whatever, and you get a brain freeze, right? Everybody gets a brain freeze every now and then. What do we do to stop the brain freeze? What have I said we can do to stop the brain freeze? Told you the only thing you can do is lift your tongue and stick it up to the to the roof of your mouth. And I've said the only reason we get a brain freeze and it's actually a brain freeze is because your olfactory nerves are the only extension outside of your skull of the brain. Okay, this is very very important. Your olfactories, the 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 nerves that you use to taste taste, um, are the only exposed. So the only way you can stop or reduce a brain freeze is by putting your tongue on the roof of your mouth, um, to regulate the temperature with your internal temperature. And there's a reason for this. So I found a great, um, great two clips that I want to play for you. Uh, one of it is called the two minute neuroscience olfaction, uh, where they explain the olfactory. Uh, and I want you, this is very important and you'll understand why. Uh, so bear with me because these are important things to know. Okay. Important things that people should, should know. I mean, you, you need to know why you can stop a brain freeze, right? With your tongue. And you need to understand why sticking a cotton swab up your nose far, far back is really important. Here you go. Welcome to two minute neuroscience, where I explain neuroscience topics in two minutes or less. In this installment, I will discuss olfaction. Olfaction refers to the sense of smell, which begins with a specialized collection of cells called the olfactory epithelium. In humans, the olfactory epithelium lines the nasal cavities. The olfactory epithelium contains millions of olfactory receptor cells. These cells have a single dendrite that extends to the outermost layer of the epithelium, where cilia emerge from the end of the dendrite and spread over the surface of the olfactory epithelium. When odorants enter the nasal cavity due to inhalation or by rising from the mouth during the chewing of food, they stimulate receptors on the cilia, depolarizing the olfactory receptor cells and initiating action potentials that travel down the axon of the receptor cell into an adjacent structure called the olfactory bulb. These axons that travel from the olfactory epithelium to the olfactory bulb together make up the first cranial nerve. In the olfactory bulb, the axons of the olfactory receptor cells converge on the dendrites of olfactory bulb neurons in small clusters called glomeruli. In these glomeruli, receptor cells form synaptic connections with several types of olfactory bulb neurons including cells called mitral cells and tufted relay neurons. Both of these cells project into the olfactory tract, a bundle of fibers that carries olfactory information to the olfactory cortex, where most olfactory processing occurs. The olfactory cortex consists of a collection of cortical areas that receive information from the olfactory bulb, including the piriform cortex, an area of cortex surrounding the amygdala known as the periamygdaloid cortex, the entorhinal cortex, and two regions known as the olfactory tubercle and anterior olfactory nucleus. And there you go. That's the anatomy. And this is why we need to be able to taste, to smell as well. Now, uh, again, someone pointed out very well so that, uh, you know, if you lose your sense of smell, uh, you, you lose your sense of taste or smell if you get the vid. Hold on. There's more. Now, this one I started uh, a little bit further down because we didn't need the precursor, but I want you to understand a few things 
in respect to transmission and penetrating blood brain barriers. I will post a link in all the rooms uh, that we have here because uh, it's important that you, where am I? Not, we don't care about anxiety. I want to go to the science of it. Okay, here we go, where she talks about the olfactory. So we'll start there. Around since the early 1900s. So this isn't something that's new. Here's the connection between inhaling oils and, have it, and it having an emotional impact on you. The nerve in the brain that controls your sense of smell is called the olfactory nerve. The endpoint of this nerve is in your nose and it runs to the back of your nose to your brain. The part of your brain that connects to it is the temporal lobe. Well, it just so happens that the temporal lobe has the hippocampus and the amygdala. The hippocampus plays a role in memory of past experiences. The amygdala is the emotional center of your brain. Why would something you smell affect your brain? Because the essential oils contain volatile organic compounds that exert a pharmacological effect when they penetrate the body either through your skin or through your olfactory nerve. Volatile just means that the oil can vaporize and become a gas. So the oil of these plants are made up of molecules that can be absorbed through the skin in oil form or through your nose as a gas. By inhaling these molecules, you send them directly to the emotional part of the brain. This is why inhaling gases and fumes is a big deal. There's a direct pathway from your nose to your brain. Now, not everything you inhale has molecules that have a pharmacological effect on you. I wanted you guys to hear that again, what she said, because I've said this many times and this was important. Okay. So I want you to listen. Direct pathway from your nose to your brain. This is why inhaling gases in oil form or through your nose as a gas. By inhaling these molecules, you send them directly to the emotional part of the brain. This is why inhaling gases and fumes is a big deal. There's a direct pathway from your nose to your brain. Now, not everything you inhale has molecules that have a pharmacological effect on you. So I don't want you to get worried about everything you smell, but inhaling things is a faster route to affecting your brain than eating something. Because when you eat it, it has to be digested to then get into your bloodstream. And your bloodstream is like the highway to take things to your organs but a gas can be absorbed directly by the nerve and have a straight shot to the brain, bypassing the blood highway. It's like being beamed aboard, if you're a Star Trek fan. Certain oils are known to be more activating versus sedating or relaxing. And here are a few, but I'll have a longer list in the description. Some popular essential oils that are used to promote relaxation are lavender, sandalwood, clary sage, and Roman chamomile. A study from Wesleyan University in 2005 showed that the study subjects who were exposed to lavender experienced an increase in slow wave or deep sleep. I think that's pretty cool. How can you use aromatherapy to relax? Aside from using a diffuser, you can put a few drops of the oil on a cotton ball and sniff it, or you could put it under your pillow if you're trying to go to sleep. If you're wanting to use it, for a massage, I wouldn't recommend putting the oil directly on your skin as some people are sensitive to it. Even if you can't get a full-fledged massage, you can massage your own feet with the oil by using a carrier oil such as jojoba, 
olive or, or coconut oil. These oils are safe to put on your skin and you can mix a few drops of the essential oil with the carrier oil to then put on your body. Another application is to put a few drops in your bath water. I'll have some references to some studies in the description of the use of aromatherapy and how it affects your senses. Like this video if you like it and leave me a comment or question if you have one. Take care. See you next time. Gosh darn it, I'm going to have to cut out those seconds. Now I have to edit the video so YouTube doesn't knock it. All right, so it was important for us to see that only to understand how things work uh, and why I'm telling you this. Now I'm going to share my Twitter feed so you can see why. So I have said before many, many times, you know, that's uh, sticking that up your nose, you know, uh, we do have soft spots. You know how babies, when you touch the top of their head, they're soft bone. We have soft bones in the back of our uh, rhinus. In those cavities, they're actually quite, um, quite soft. So I'm going to take you to a tweet that I retweeted. People who have had extensive sinus or skull-based surgery should consider requesting an oral, oral, remember that, coronavirus test if available. Warns a doctor after a test cause a woman to have brain fluid leak. So I did mention Thornwald cysts. Um, now, I, I actually have a Thornwald cyst. A lot of people do. Those are supposedly extensions. Uh, they say that they're congenital. They're saying that some people can create, have them created later, uh, and they're actually associated with the pineal gland um, over extension, shall I say? I, 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 I don't want to say much on it yet. That's not important. That should be a conversation we have uh, late 2021. So I wanted to show that uh, tweet. Oops, wrong feed. Gosh darn it. I got out. This is me clicking. Because I wanted to go to this tweet. Uh, this tweet was, what? What tweet? Ah, someone, who is it? They removed it. Why? Hmm, that's interesting. That is really interesting. China removed their tweet. I hope someone got a screenshot of it. Uh, really do hope. So, very good. Aerosolized SARS-2 COVID. So in, uh, on September 28th, I tweeted out this, the more, you know, now it's time to show who's making money, what countries are involved and why rounding them up is taking so long. So there was a contract that, uh, DHS funded in on September 25th, 2020, Defense analysis of countermeasures, uh, and it's basically the virulence of aerosolized SARS-CoV-2 virus. What does that mean? Exactly what it's saying. Can you put it in a can like hairspray or, I don't know, air freshener or spray it on things or maybe in the air or, or, or. There's an actual contract for that. And that was actually done on the 25th of September, 2020. Why would the Department of Homeland Security be investigating aerosolized Rona? Think. Damn you, Cleveland Clinic. Think. So 
steps ahead, tons of steps ahead. And this is why I only tweeted it and said other things about it on the 28th to let you know and put a marker so that you know, we know, they know, they didn't know, we know, kind of did, maybe, but <laughs> this is an infodemic. Now, taking that into consideration, uh, I want you to see how the Democrats have been blocking coronavirus and what they've been doing, ah, the, the help or uh, whatever it is. It, I thought it was being released in the air. Guys, we already knew. Again, if I know, obviously, the administration knows. Uh, here we are now, one month into our majority, uh, with the, uh, what are we calling it now? U.S., Mexico, Canada. I don't know if it has an acronym. Today, I'm asking our chairman to proceed with articles of impeachment. Last night, the United States conducted a military operation designed to kill Major General Qasim Soleimani, a notorious terrorist. No one should shed a tear over his death. So Chuck Schumer and I, and this all happened on the Senate side, and I congratulate the Senate Democrats, uh, they went to the floor when Mitch McConnell went in for his 250, and they said they objected. If you get two thirds of you want what you want out of the gate, why would you change the rules and change the goalposts? They said chokehold was the litmus test, but we had already put it in our bill. So they changed the goalposts. I object. Getting very sick, right? We all need help, right? So then how is it? How is it that they get away with it? Now, for those of you that have to get uh, the Rona test, you can ask for a, for a non-swab, just like it was stated on that tweet. You can do that. You can request, uh, instead of an oral one, you can ask, um, instead of a swab, you can ask for an oral coronavirus test, if available, or alternate. You could say that you have sensitive, or just tell them you had an injury or something, and it's been... Uh, recommended that you don't get a swab up your nose and they have to accommodate you. There are alternate ways of checking. Uh, this is very important. Uh, they could take blood and check uh, and that should be suffice. Okay, that should be suffice. Uh, remember, you are in control of your uh, health Okay, you are in control of your health. Remember that, right to try, et cetera. And there are so many um, uh you know, tests that they can do. Uh, again, it is so far up there in that little soft spot, right where usual thornal cysts, uh, which are, like I said, connected in certain ways. So uh, you do not have to do the nasal test. You can refuse that and you can request oral, blood work, uh, antibody, whatever else it is. So uh, you can get that done. I just wanted to uh, make that point. So I just wanted to take a short break. I got a great piece of music. It's uh, two minutes. And thank you, Connor. If you 
look into my eyes in time in fact Reason I'm here In time all things shall pass away In time you may come back someday To live once more was that song right super awesome all right now let's get back to what i'm going to be playing that song i love it it's a great intermission song just enough time for me to fill my cup and uh, get going i think we need to remember okay what is at stake this is a movement i'm telling you they're not gonna stop and they should not. These people are tearing up our livelihood. Third straight night, Portland police declared a riot. The vast majority of the protests have been peaceful. Over the weekend, 59 officers injured and 47 people arrested. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announcing a proposal to cut a billion dollars from the New York City Police Department. We need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. So true, but time's a ticking, and we've got 32 days to go. So uh, I just wanted to um, start today's second part of the show with showing you how things are uh, panning out and how you can see who, what, when, and where. I just also 
wanted to kind of tidy up this whole vid conversation and the brain. You have to understand that if it affects your taste and your smell, there is a great possibility that for some effect, and this is being researched, that the even though we have the blood-brain barrier, which is um, responsible to prevent infection, right? Uh, we can't get infections easily through the blood-brain barrier, uh, and 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 certain drugs, bad drugs, can't enter that barrier per se. Uh, you know, it is important that we understand that there are effects uh, with people. And there has been research that uh, patients have found uh, that they may have issues with uh, SARS-CoV-2, you know, which is uh, the vid. It actually does cross the blood-brain barrier. And China has done research showing that it can. Now, remember in that first little video that I showed you, where does it go to? It goes to the center of your brain that controls what? Emotion. Are you understanding? Emotion. We talked about that. Emotion. And so, if they are able to understand that it crosses the blood-brain barrier, then you have to think, where is that happening from? Oh, wait, we lose taste and smell, that would mean olfactory, that would mean the direct superhighway to your brain. And so, does it cause inflammation? Does it alter certain chemistry, kind of like essential oils? Uh, does it cause swelling? Can you see swelling and cause encephalitis? What is it? Well, there's a clue. Apparently, and I'm trying to see, I believe I did retweet it to find it, um, but they've discovered that one of the vaccines that have been created have caused myelitis, ah, an inflammation. Of my, oh, man, that tells you a lot. That tells you a lot because if this causes swelling and inflammation in neural tissues uh, that can cause seizures, hallucination, paralysis, loss of consciousness, but considering where it hits, it can be even worse. So, as I've said, this is a genetically modified type of virus. It has been man-made. And viruses like other flus and coronaviruses kill brain cells that are called oligodendrocytes, okay? They do. They do cause that when we're sick. And that, that you know, they, they basically, they wrap around the neurons and they insulate them. And when these oligodendrocytes die, they're like the, the soldiers that protect your neuron cells. That means you, you get into demyelation of the neurons, hence why it's very concerning that one of the vaccines, and I'm going to look to find which company it was, said that it causes myelitis. Demyelination of neurons leads to muscle weakness, vision problems, pain, hence why they're like, hey, can you see uh, changes in the way you uh, feel things, touch things among various amount of other things that can occur. So viral infections can actually 
um, prompt the immune cells of the brain to then come forward, right? And I've talked to you about immune responses working against you. I mean, that's what allergies are, right? When your body's immune system see something as an enemy when it's really not. And that enemy is you. And that's what an allergic response is. So the the microglia are the um, cells that are the foot soldiers in the brain, uh, you know, to, to fight disease. Well, if this happens, right, maybe it causes an allergic reaction in your brain. And then they start attacking healthy tissue when they shouldn't. And the vid causes that in some people and nobody knows, is it because of that? How is it happening? And this is why we are examining the virulence it has in aerosol form. Again, aerosol form, Um, because it can piggyback. So I'll give you an example of what I mean by piggyback, because uh, it's important um, for someone to understand uh, what the piggyback means. So uh, again, I I keep saying this and I'm like, okay, I'm going to publish it. <laughs> but I remember when I was in a, um, a grad class of plant pathologists, they like, you know, look at farms and, and diseases and plants. And I took that because I wanted to um, learn about crown galls. And um, that's basically kind of like a cancer in plants. And um, I learned a lot uh, from Dr. Vincelli. Uh, he's um, he's great. And he always wore his Indiana Jones shorts too. But uh, one thing that I did learn was how uh, inoculation and infection happens in plants. I actually... I know it sounds really brazen and cocky, but I told him you're teaching it wrong. And he actually changed the way he teaches secondary infections. Kid you not. He actually changed. I changed a schematic and he used a schematic in a new book where he, um, you know, publishes books for other professors to teach. And it even says there, uh, you know, Tori, um, God, that was my first acknowledgement in plants of all. But the thing that prompted me to say that was because we were learning about agrobacterium tumefaciens, which is a bacteria that causes crown galls, right? That's the whole purpose of me studying that whole semester um, in that class. And what I, you know, he was telling me this, this virus, just this bacterium just goes into the plant and mates with the cells. And so basically the cancer on the plants, you know, where you see cauliflower things like on stems and on, you know, uh, trunks of trees, that's, that's a crown gall. It's mutant half plant, half bacterial cells, because for some reason, the plant cells receive it as a, a mate. So they exchange DNA. And I remember asking him, well, why are they exchanging DNA? I mean, science is pretty simple. A lot of people like to make it complex. Uh, everything is simple. And so I had um, I had researched and researched, and I found this great professor out of John Hopkins, who, by the way, everyone called crazy when she was younger and everything, but she proved that um, bacteria in general talk to each other. They have a language, and it's called quorum sensing. And so she proved that with 
squid that are like deep underwater where the squid, um, you know, its belly glows only when bacteria are in there and they're special bacteria. But the thing is the bacteria could be in there, but only when they grow to a certain number, do they start to glow? It's like, they know they talk to each other and they know how much. So I use that. Uh, I was looking at that research and I remember during our spring break that semester, I went to the laboratory there to kind of just learn about quorum sensing because I wanted to see, well, if agrobacterium tumefaciens can, has a cell signaling block, maybe it's, you know, in concert with cell signaling of a plant and maybe there's a miscommunication. So I spent two weeks there and lo and behold, a phenol that is expressed by agrobacterium tumefaciens, the bacteria, uh, is exactly the same as a phenol that is expressed by a plant when it's in duress. So that means that the plant, when it's screaming, oh my gosh, I'm like in pain, come help me. This bacterium runs up to it and reads the phenol for mating, the the phenol that the plant's excreting for help me, help me. The bacterium is seeing is as mate with me, mate with me. And so they start to exchange DNA. So there's always a logic behind everything that happens in nature. And uh, that's really, really important. It's about communication, communication. So again, even though there's two different species, they can miscommunicate and collide. And this all comes down to communication, again, to a genetic level of exchanging genetic information. You know, everything is simple and there's always an answer. Yes, DNA is your software. Your mitochondrial DNA is your OS. It's like your Windows system. It's like your Mac OS. Your mitochondrial DNA is your OS and your DNA is the other software. So your mitochondrial DNA is your settings, your bootstrapping and everything. So, so taking it back to the vid. In regards to communication, there could be molecules that are aerosolized with viruses to piggyback and enter. I hope that makes sense. So you piggyback on something natural and something unnatural happens like the agrobacterium tumefaciens piggybacks on the phenol of, Hey, let's reproduce. That's what's up. Let's exchange DNA when it's really not for that. Hence there could be piggybacks that are promoted to infect and covertly insert this virus. This is what I am trying to explain to you when you get a swab up your nose. If you're vulnerable to the piggyback, you will have a piggyback and you are getting hijacked. This is why we have so many genetically modified vaccines that change our genetic code. And the more vulnerable you are, the more easily there could be a cross between the blood-brain barrier. So. I hope that helped and give you a little bit of information and also quash the theory that there's no intraspecies, interspecies mingling. Trojan horse, thank you. That's exactly how I 
coined the research uh, that I put together. It was it literally took me nothing. And I remember the professor actually got back to me a couple of years. He's like, you didn't publish that paper yet. It's like, man, no, I haven't. <laughs> But it's mine because I wrote it in 2009. So, yeah, but it is a Trojan horse. It comes looking like one thing and it's another. And there are various ways that you can piggyback. So it's not just implanting some mode or medium in the back of your nasopharynx where it's vulnerable to access your brain. Again, exposed brain is where, right? Your olfactory. So it's very important. So I'm taking you back. I'm taking you back to other episodes to, you know, how I said, hey, most important part is your olfactory. Hey, you can stick your tongue up. Hey, don't put things up your nose. Hey, this is why cocaine is addictive. If you snort it rather than you smoke it. I mean, when you smoke it, it's kind of crack, right? But when you snort it, it's different because there is that direct uh, you know, penetration. We have soft spots like babies and everyone has it in a different place. All right. So having said that and understanding that there are neurological effects that are primary warnings to COVID, right? You have to think, well, if it's so diverse in the way it attacks humans, then how do we defeat it? Well, every single one of us is different. Some of you may be getting flu vaccines religiously every year. And then for the past two years, like they told you, you know, total coincidence that you need boosters, got the boosters too. So you're more vulnerable because your genetic code has been spliced, diced, and inserted. Those of you that said a year ago, damn, I'm not doing that again. Every time I get the flu shot, I get sick. You're at a different degree of vulnerability. Someone that did it two years ago, different degree of vulnerability. Because remember, your body is incredible. Kind of like your computer. You might have, you, we have software that's like malware bites, you know, Norton antivirus, all implanted in our body. So depending on your OS system, which is your mitochondrial DNA that is inherent to you, right? is how well you can fix the errors, any anything that has tried to violate your code. I want you to think of it as software. So think, you might not have an updated virus file for your McAfee inside your body, then you might be more vulnerable. But maybe your OS is so badass that it can detect things before they even detect themselves. I'm just saying. So it's all variable. This is why this virus is dangerous because it plays off the different variants of detection and genetic structure of every human being. Again, this is just another flu. It's a virus, but this is a smart one. And I told you the seams showed that there was foreign material that seemed the 33 adenine tail. And I saw that. I told you that. I even told you that it behaves a lot like malaria and uh, AIDS correlation because I, you know, the way God works, right? I mean, what are the odds that I'm going to take a seminar for the New England Journal seminars? It was like a one credit class where we're all analyzing, you know, health cases. And if you end up in the New England Journal of Medicine, you're pretty much dead, right? Because they find out what's wrong when you're dead. But I was with this guy who's an epidemiologist from South America that was literally 
piloting that study of using hydroxychloroquine and virulence uh, against AIDS for people that had malaria and were taking hydroxychloroquine and having sex with prostitutes that have AIDS. I mean, I've already told you that in a previous show. Um, so again, I want you to understand just how complex this is and how difficult it's going to be for us to put a handle on it. Like, how do you undo the damage that has been done? And a lot of people will say, let's silence the genes that have been altered. No, because we learned from, uh, you know, Ventner that if you silence genes or you eliminate or cut out genes you think are virulent, all they do is remanifest with epigenetics. So the only way to combat something is by increasing the positivity. I've said this before. If you say anti-drugs, you're just going to have more drugs. If you say post-freedom from drugs or something like that, right? Then it's a more positive message. You resonate on a higher frequency. Ergo, you have a better result. Same thing here with software. If you have like a really bad program that runs slow, what do you do to silence that bad program that goes slow? You get a really good one and make it bigger and make it take more of the memory and strangle, you know, the sound or the, 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 the footprint that the bad one has. So this goes back to what are these vaccines going to really do? Possibly amplification of our innate ability to defend ourselves. I mean, that's, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be looking at seeing, all right, well, where can we find the DNA repair systems? What signaling pathways can we help amplify that will assist in eliminating this foreign code? That's, that's, that's how coders should work too. I mean, usually they're just going in there to eliminate and that's code, but uh, it doesn't work like that on biological code, does it? Now, speaking of code, <laughs> so remember when we did, before we get into this COVID um, news that's happening, I wanted to remind you, I did tell you months ago that there was something that was going to be signed on the 30th of September. Very, very salty Pope, because the Hague meeting was canceled. And why was it canceled? Because of this. We're here this afternoon to change the course of history. After decades of division and conflict, we mark the dawn of a new Middle East. Together, these agreements will serve as the foundation for a comprehensive peace across the entire region, something which nobody thought was possible. For generations, the people of the Middle East have been held back by old conflicts, hostilities. These agreements prove that the nations of the region are breaking free from the failed approaches of the past. Today's signing sets history on a new course. Today the world sees that they're choosing cooperation over conflict, friendship over enmity, prosperity over poverty, and hope over despair. They are choosing a future in which Arabs and Israelis, Muslims, Jews, and Christians can live together, pray together, and dream together, side by side in harmony, community, and peace. Once again, let me congratulate the people of Israel, the people of the United Arab Emirates, and the people of the Kingdom of Bahrain. God bless you all. This is an incredible day for the world. Because apparently all the major religions were supposed to sign on. And here we have an agreement of appreciating everybody's differences and moving forward and trying to bury the hatchet, you know, that has been there for eons. 
in order to move forward. Now, it was a very traumatic experience for many Catholics to see the Pope speak that way. Well, what if I showed you even more people speaking very e- in a very evil way about the president? Again, coming from the Archidiocese of New York yesterday. Yes, he attended that. I want you to hear this portion of it. I'll share the video so you guys can see it. But I want you to hear the next few minutes. Your mouth is going to hit the floor. This is how brazen and unapologetic they are. Take a listen. More for people of the world than the Catholic Church. From the parishes of this city came the soldiers who fought to end slavery. The workers who raised up the towering skyline of Manhattan the chaplains who landed on the beaches of Guadalcanal, the nuns who marched for civil rights, and the police officers and firefighters who we love so much, who ran into the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001. Now more than ever, our nation needs a renewal of the values that this organization promotes and that the Catholic faithful live out each and every day in peace. We love the Catholic people. We love the Catholic religion. And above all, we respect it greatly. As president, I will always support you. In- okay, I just wanted to point out, he pointed out the Catholic people, the Catholic religion. Again, we talked about this yesterday. Here's where you're going to see how this all ties in with the Pope being so brazen against uh, Pompeo and what is really playing here. In your effort to serve our fellow citizens and to lift up all humanity, I will protect the Catholic Church and I will defend the rights of religious believers of every race, religion, color and creed. Thank you once again to the Al Smith Memorial Foundation. God bless you. God bless New York and God bless America. Thank you, Mr. President. That was extraordinarily gracious. Mary, am I mistaken or did we just see a rather peaceful transition? A transition to the the microphones. And it- wow, a peaceful transition. Listen, wasn't so bad, was it, Mr. President? Uh, I'm grateful to President Trump and Vice President Biden for joining us this evening. I also dare remind them that Al Smith was a happy lawyer, but he was never a sore loser. Uh, we're also grateful to all of our donors. You realize we've raised over five million dollars that'll mm-hmm. go to support New York City's children. Jesus said, whatever you do to the least among us, you did it to me. Well, you've done a lot this evening, and we thank you. This dinner has spanned three quarters of a century, our democracy, nearly 250 years, and our church, a lot longer than that. These institutions have persevered through war and famine, pandemic and strife, because of people like you, people who are willing to set aside their differences to achieve a common goal, a higher goal, even, dare we say, the ultimate goal of salvation. I'm reminded tonight, if you don't mind me sharing, of two such people. One was my beloved predecessors, John Cardinal O'Connor, who served this Archdiocese in New York from 1984 to the year 2000. Many of you will remember him fondly as a man of deep faith and strong convictions, always willing to fiercely defend the church and her teachings. Now, you also might remember that the mayor of that time, well, at that time, was the colorful Ed Koch, proud of his Jewish heritage, a man of equally strong convictions, always ready to defend his beliefs no matter the cost. It would be fair to say, I think, that uh, Cardinal O'Connor and Ed Koch 
would find themselves on opposite ends of the political spectrum. And on many occasions, doing battle on the delicate issues of the day, even going to court to settle some of their disputes. But importantly, without regard for religion, race, or other factors that sometimes divide us. And even more special is that every four years, the presidential candidates are invited to come speak at the dinner. Just weeks before election day, in the heat of the campaign, they come and offer us a roast. They're usually humble selves by the laughter in the face of what's otherwise a super stressful time. 75 years of this tradition. In my opinion, that's pretty special. Let's take a look at some of the highlights from some of those memorable moments of those very special evenings. The annual dinner of the Alfred E. Smith Memorial Foundation being held this evening in the grand ballroom of the Waldorf Astoria Hotel here in New York City. Your eminence, Cardinal Spellman, this gathering has for its purpose and salutation to the memory of Al Smith. None in our generation more warmly sympathized with the needs, the hopes, the aspirations of humanity than did Governor Smith. I'm glad to be here at this notable dinner once again, and I'm glad that Mr. Nixon is here also. And finally, around 4 a.m. this morning, the ghost of Al Smith appeared at my bedside, and he said, Mr. President, I have seen the guest list for that dinner, too. I can't sleep either. And as we marvel at how far we've come, let us also remember how far we've yet to go. I must say, I have traveled the banquet circuit for many years. I've never quite understood the logistics of dinners like this and how the absence of one individual could cause three of us to not have seats. <laughs> In America's best days are truly yet to come. I know some people are going to keep accusing me of exaggeration, so let me be clear. Those people seek nothing less than the complete destruction of the American way of life. I'm pleased to be here with the vice president this evening. He's been promising to work harder on getting some of the details right, and I hope he follows through. The other night after our third debate, just as I was leaving, he said, I look forward to seeing you for the dinner in New York. I Meet you at the Carlisle and dress as casual. <laughs> now, Al, you are right. A campaign can require a lot of wardrobe changes. We, uh, blue jeans in the morning, perhaps, uh, suit uh, for a lunch fundraiser, sport coat for dinner, but it's nice to finally relax and uh, to wear what Ann and I wear around the house. <laughs> in less than three weeks, voters in states like Ohio, Virginia and Florida will decide this incredibly important election, which begs the question, what are we doing here? In the end, what makes this dinner important are not the jokes we tell, but the legacy that we carry forward. It is often easy to forget how far this country has come. One thing we can all agree on is the need to support the great work that comes out of the dinner. 
Millions of dollars have been raised to support disadvantaged children, and I applaud the many people who have worked to make this wonderful event a critical lifeline for children in need. I hope you guys got what I was telling you. So this is a conference of truth under the guise of roasting. And the reason it is important for you to see it, I wanted to, I wanted you to see the end. Peaceful transition. See how easy that was? You heard that? You saw its history. Truth as jokes. Because... The rules go. You have to tell people what you're doing. That's the rule. That is the rule. Tell the people what you're doing. So and let's see how they take the vid and what they're telling people from the way they're reporting it. Take a listen. Just moments ago, President Trump tweeting Hope Hicks, who has been working so hard without even taking a small break, has just tested positive for COVID-19. Terrible. The First Lady and I are waiting for our test results. In the meantime, we will begin our quarantine process. Joining me. So that was it. How she claimed um, the how she claimed how she put out the story. Wait, there's more. And. Here is how will his testing positive have an effect on the economy and the elections? Positive for the coronavirus. They were tested following news that White House top aide Hope Hicks had tested positive after traveling extensively with the president this week. There are reports that Hicks is experiencing symptoms. However, at this time, there's no word if the president or first lady are sick. Actually, um, I can go back on that saying that people in the White House have said they are feeling well right now. That is an update to that. And a memorandum, the president's physician said that the president and the first lady, as I said, are both well at this time and plan to remain at home within the White House during their this time. Now, we're going to go to Fox News correspondent uh, Steve Ducey for the very latest. Hey, Steve's still, uh, Steve's still sleeping, but Peter is You're here. Peter. Uh, I was going to say, got... you know. <laughs> That's all was... right, Ashley. Uh, we, we, do have, we do have some breaking news because I know that there's been a little bit of confusion about this. Uh, we're told now that the White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has been tested as part of normal protocol and has been negative in his recent tests. And so there have been some things swirling around online about, uh, you know, next steps, people wanting to know who might uh, have been in contact with the president and with Hope Hicks. But I've just been told by a White House official, uh, a senior White House official, that Mark Meadows has tested negative. Uh, I'm talking right now, Ashley, from Grand Rapids, Michigan, because this is where Joe Biden is supposed to have an event tomorrow. We were with him in Wilmington, Delaware earlier today. Uh, he has been doing a lot more campaigning lately. He uh, had his busiest day on the campaign trail since March yesterday, seven stops. He oh is very conscious about wearing a mask. In fact, at one point I was sitting about 25 feet away from Biden and uh, he began his remarks for three or four minutes. 
with the mask on, his staff had to motion in the back, hey, it's okay to take it off for social distance. Uh, but I have reached out since to figure out, and we're still waiting for some answers about whether or not he is going to now quarantine as well because he was in proximity with the president on Tuesday night uh, on the debate stage. And I've also reached out, and I'm still waiting for an answer, and I know it's late, and so it's not really fair to expect an answer quickly, but whether or not Joe Biden even knows at this point that's what uh, I was wondering. That the president has tested positive. Right, because, I mean, obviously you 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 check Twitter 24-7 just to see if there's any inkling of a chance that somebody on the Biden campaign knows about this. And that's what I keep asking, and I think a lot of people are wondering, since this happened so, you know, on Tuesday, granted they were socially distant, but as I keep saying, there had to have been at some point some sort of contact or touch um, somewhere in that area Um and if not, you know, we know that uh, President Trump, he's been around people, obviously, who have tested positive, but he was fine. But there's always that worry for um, VP Joe Biden. And, and there is. And just something else that has changed, Ashley, since the last time that we spoke, uh, the president's schedule for tomorrow, and this should be obvious based on his public statements on Twitter, but uh, he, he was scheduled to attend a fundraiser in D.C. and then an event in Florida. And those events have been canceled. He is now just going to be doing a conference call tomorrow. Um, but Will on it the be a Biden video conference act, call? Uh, it, we, we don't believe so. Usually these things are um, these things are just a, a normal conference call, old-fashioned conference call. Right. Uh, and, and speaking of that, earlier in the day, there was a different conference call uh, with Trump campaign officials about the next debate. And, it, you're, you know, there are so many news cycles in a day that it's hard to remember or it's easy to forget that earlier today, uh, there was a lot of talk about whether or not at this next debate, the moderator was going to be able to cut somebody's mic if they are interrupting or if they're going over their time. Uh, well, the next presidential debate is within two weeks of right now. And we don't know how long President Trump is going. We, we don't want to speculate about how long he's going to be quarantining for. Uh, but certainly these uh these Trump campaign assertions earlier today that uh, they were not ready to agree to any changes to a debate, but that the president would definitely be there. Uh, tonight's news could potentially change that calculus. And, and and we do know, and we did a lot of reporting on this in the last couple days, the negotiations about these debates and the ground rules continue until the very, very last second before the candidates take stage. And so, there are a lot of moving parts here. Wait, uh, and Peter, do you, we, I don't mean to interrupt, yeah. but do you think this is going to affect uh, potentially the vice president debate next week? Um, I, I've been asking everyone I've talked to tonight, maybe somebody will get in contact. I know it's in the middle of the night. Trust me, I know it's hard to get in touch with people. But does anyone know if um, President Trump came in contact with uh, VP Pence or if anyone as far as Kamala Harris knows about this news? Is there anything, um, any inkling of a chance that we know anything about that right now we don't know enough about that right now i know that in conversations that i've had with some white house officials uh throughout the throughout the trump administration uh or throughout his tenure in the white house that mike pence and donald trump spend as much time together as anybody but that obviously changed once the pandemic lockdown started and they have had mike pence drop in as a 
special guest or as an unannounced guest at some recent Trump rallies, including last week when Air Force Two landed uh, right ahead of Air Force One and they spoke together in front of a big crowd. Um, but we don't have enough information yet to know about whether or not this is going to affect the the VP debate in Salt Lake City, which is scheduled for, uh, I guess now since it's Friday, uh, five days from now. Okay. All right, Peter. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Ashley. Mm-hmm. We're going to go now to Shannon Bream, anchor of Fox News at Night. Shannon, thanks for uh, coming back with us right now. This is... Uh- Okay, before we get to that, before we get to that, I just wanted to um, let you guys know, I had told you something in March, and I'm going to show it to you now, just so you can see. What is the discussion we're having now, everyone? What is the discussion that they're pushing now, everyone, with President Trump? 25th Amendment, right? Impeach him with the 25th Amendment, right, guys? Right? Well, here's where I have to say I told you so. March 25th. 25th Amendment. Can you see me now? I tweeted out, COVID-19 is an impeachment scam. It's an impeachment scam. Plandemic. Don't believe me? How many nations contributed to the Russia hoax? Infodemic. This is about impeachment. It's about impeachment. I told you guys that on the 25th of March for 25th Amendment. So there's a lot of things that I tweet that sometimes don't make sense. This tweet actually got me blocked out, locked out of my account for a couple of days. Um, and it kept telling me, let me send you a text. Let me send you. And it constantly sent me a text. And you know why they were doing that? Because they wanted to find my device. And they found my device. And then I was next. That's why I don't have Twitter with me when I'm on the move. Uh, so because uh, they uh, disable uh, your device ID. Uh, So it's important to see that. Also important to see 1020, but I am telling you 1015 to 2017 to 10, 1015 to 1017, something really significant is going to happen. And the reason I'm telling you, hey, we already know, we already know is for you not to panic because they want you to resonate on a lower frequency and they will push to make it so. They want you to um, to to feel like the world is over, okay? So whatever event happens during that period of time, it's on 1020 that you're going to see the repercussions. That's where it's coming. So I, they want you and they will push to you even though this is part of a plan to protect us, the people, they want you to resonate on that frequency. They want you to feel that you're, there's no way out, that nothing's going to come of this. They want you to be terrified and they will push it and they will mock it and they will laugh at it. And Tarzan did too. So it's important that we see them do it before we get to Miss <laughs> Miss, can I say that? I don't know. Do I want to say that really? Um, they will make you feel like that because 
if you are listening to the facts rather than their fiction, then you might understand this. China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. We want to see China rise. It is in our self-interest that China continue to prosper. They're not bad folks, folks. But guess what? They're not a they're, they're not they're competition for us. A rising China can be a significant asset for the region and the world. And selfishly for the United States, we want China to grow. What are we? What are we worried about? What they're worried about is that you see the truth. And you know what sucks is that everyone is like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so tired of this. I am done. I am done. I am super done. I don't want to do this." Wait, before I get to that, I just wanted to point something out again to you. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry about that. So, um, oh gosh, darn it. Where is it? Give me a second. I will pull it up. Mm, Darn it. Give me a sec. There it is. Found it on someone actually sent it to me on a Google cache. Remember the tweet that I was talking about, um, about, uh, China, China, that tweet that I retweeted that was gone. I want to share that. I want you to see it. This is an official Chinese account. I want you to see it. Look at that. President Trump and the First Lady have paid the price for his gamble to play down COVID-19. The news shows the severity of the U.S. pandemic situation. It will impose a negative impact on the image of Trump and the U.S. and may also negatively affect his re-election. This is coming from China, 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 China. So in two weeks, when he's fine and proves this whole standpoint, will you retract this? China is going to pay the ultimate price for unleashing pandemic to the world. Yes, they are. I sure hope so. Oh, really? Joker, first lady and president tested positive, but they're doing absolutely fine. Within a few days, they'll be recovering. No one will be forgiving the amount of damage your country has done. And so on and so on and so on. I like the trolls. Uh, The trolls to China were great. But again, China was only the placeholder. China has sold its nation to promote terror. And they're fine with that because fear is something that they they believe uh, shows a position of strength. Right. This is like a cultural thing. So here is here is Tarzan talking. Now, this is this is really going to piss you off because this clown, his daddy, I have a file on his daddy. I do. I do. But again, there are fights that we can pick now and fights that we should be picking later. There's a lot of things that I can put out, and I'm very careful on what I put out because I know that there are specific eyes on me. For example, a lot of you are like, oh, like when we were playing Lou Dobbs and he said fifth column, told you who the fifth column is. I already told you. And everyone was chatting. Oh, he follows Q. What you have to see is not who they follow directly. It's who they follow, who our real news people follow that are directly connected to other people. That's how you see. Sometimes it's direct, but most of the time it's second or third removed because they can't show that they get their news from there. For for example, I hate being hijacked. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm tired of recording IDs. Here we go. Fox News Sunday anchor. He moderated the debate between President Trump and Joe Biden on Tuesday. Good morning, Chris. 
Good morning to all you guys. Good morning. Uh, what, quite a development over the night. Exactly. What does this mean for you? You were just in the same room with him. I don't know how close <laughs> you got just as close as what we saw. There was nothing that happened behind the scenes. No, that's that's exactly right. Uh, what you saw on the TV is the closest I got to the president. I, you know, I've been trying to sort of go over it in my mind. It's got to have been 10, 12 feet. He never approached me at the end of the debate. Uh, Vice President Biden did briefly uh, to uh, basically, as a matter of fact, I'm trying to remember the exact words, basically to say, I bet you didn't know you had signed up for this. Obviously, <laughs> it was uh, an extremely contentious debate. Um, I certainly saw no sign of any uh, flagging of energy in the president in the president during the debate. Uh, as we all saw, uh, he was loaded for bear. Um, I, I will say a couple of things just to give you background and information I have that uh, I'm, I'm very few people probably who you're going to be talking to today did. Uh, when we arrived in Cleveland, everybody, you had to take a test that was administered by the Cleveland Clinic. And it was one of those deep tests that goes all the way up your nostril up, it seems, into the front part of your brain. Uh, so everybody that was in that hall had tested negative. Um, the interesting thing, though, however, was that the Cleveland Clinic would set up the safety rules, said that everybody in the hall, with the exception of the president, the vice president and myself, had to wear a mask. Uh, when Mrs. Biden came in, when members of her party came in, they were all wearing masks and they took they kept them on throughout the debate. Uh, on the Trump side of, of the hall, uh, Mrs. Trump came in wearing a mask, but took it off when once she sit, sat down. I didn't see when they came in, but all the other members of the first family that I saw there, including Ivanka, Tiffany, uh, when they sat down, they weren't wearing masks. I'm told by the pool of reporters who was there that somebody from the Cleveland Clinic came up to the first family. I believe this was before Mrs. Trump sat down. Uh, and offered them masks in case they didn't have them, and they waved them away. Uh, and people in the hall did notice that while they were all wearing masks, including my wife and four of my children, uh, that the first family did not wear masks during the debate. When it ended, Mrs. Trump came up to go on the stage, as I think everybody saw. She was not wearing a mask. Uh, Mrs. Biden did come up, uh, and she was wearing a mask as she came up past me and, and went up to her husband. Um, yeah. But you, certainly there was no sign during the debate uh, of any problems with the president uh, in terms of his health. Um, but it is worth noting that there were the different people treated mm -hmm. uh, the, the safety rules inside the hall differently. So every, if it wasn't clear by now, it's, it should be clear that no matter who you are, uh, whether you're Tom Hanks or The Rock uh, or Boris Johnson, you could get this. It doesn't matter how famous, rich, or powerful. But let's look. If Byron York was on an hour ago, and he says, it's going to take us a while to wrap our head around the political implications of this, Chris, with all your years of experience. I'm not saying you're old, but I'm just saying with your years of experience, how is this going to affect the campaign? At the very least, he's off the trail for 10 to 15 days. Yeah. I mean, let me just say one quick thing about age, <laughs> despite your your somewhat snarky remark. I mean, the three people <laughs> on that stage were all 70 plus. And uh, obviously, uh, the vice president is 77. The president is 74. I'm 72. We are all in the high risk factor. And you can bet I've, I've already been asked by a lot of people. I'm going to have to get a test because mm -hmm. although I think I was far enough away, yeah. uh, you know, the, we all take that question. Were you exposed to somebody who was tested positive for COVID? The answer is yes. Very good question. You know, look, 
Our primary concern is for the health and safety of the president. Our second concern, obviously, is he is the president for the health and safety of the country. No reason to believe that there's any danger, but here is the commander in chief. Uh, you know, if he does begin to get symptoms, that has national security implications. In terms of the campaign, I've just been trying to consider that myself. Uh, there is a debate, I think, on the 15th. Today is the second. So uh, that's less than two weeks from now. What's going to happen to that debate? You're right. The president and one of the things that he thinks works for him, one of the things that he thinks mobilizes his base is to be out on the campaign trail uh, talking to people and, and summoning these huge crowds. Obviously, he's not going to be able to do that for a week, 10 days, two weeks. Uh, and let's, you know, very much hope that he has no symptoms and recovers quickly. So this has a dramatic impact. And the other point I think I'd make is that, you know, at various points in the campaign, various issues have risen to the top. COVID, then uh, race issues, then law and order in the streets, now the Supreme Court. Clearly, this is going to put COVID back at the top of the agenda. And this will raise questions again about whether the president has has been serious enough in the way he has treated COVID now that he has caught it himself. That may be fair or unfair, but it's a political fact of life. Right. Chris, um, we still have not heard from Joe Biden or Joe Biden's camp, uh, which is curious because usually they've got a rapid response team. They'll put something out. Um, there's no love loss between these two campaigns. What do you think is the right tone and tenor of the message they send out? Well, you know, they don't need my advice, but I, I think for all Americans, however you feel about this, the first an overwhelming concern has got to be for the safety of the president of the United States, uh, no matter how tough the campaign is. The second has to be obviously concern about whether this is going to have any effect on on how the country is run in terms of uh, trying to score political points on that. I think it would be a huge mistake. I mean, the, it, it, the story tells itself, uh, as has become kind of a cliche in this campaign. It is what it is. I don't think uh, it, it I'm not saying he's going to do it, but I think it would be very unbecoming for anybody to try to score points on, on this. The, the, mm -hmm. the primary Well, then you don't have Twitter. Is, is for the health of our president. So could that help? Could this on both sides, can it help or hurt both sides? If they're, if they're being critical of this, I would imagine that could be harmful to their campaign if you have undecided voters and they're seeing if they are critical. But what about this coronavirus itself that the president has tested positive? Could it actually help him if he comes out of this and he says, I'm relatable. I understand what you've been going through as a country. I mean, how, what, how do you see this playing out over the next few weeks? Well, you look, you know, when this first happened, I turned to my wife and I said, as I'm sure a lot of us have said, it's 2020 because the unthinkable exactly. uh, seems to be the next thing around the corner right. here. You know, here's the next 2020 thing. So it's hard to predict how it'll impact. But I don't I, you know. Fairly or unfairly, I, I, I don't think there's any question it's going to raise questions again about how seriously the president has taken the coronavirus. You know, there's obviously been criticism that he's been holding these rallies, yes, outdoors, but, uh, but holding them outdoors with thousands of people in close contact. You know, the issue of masks came out, came up in the debate. And, and, you know, I'm sure you've got the clip if you want to run it, where I, because I was talking to them about the different ways they have handled it. And one of the things that, that I uh, hit Biden on was you've been much let, more reluctant than the president to reopen the country and to reopen schools. And clearly the president thought that was a strong point for him. But then we talked about the fact that the president was much less likely to wear a mask. And if you remember, he took a mask out of his 
his mm -hmm. inside jacket pocket and said, you know, I've got this mask and I wear it and then made fun uh, of uh, the vice president and said he wears this giant mask and he has crowds uh, of, you know, six people all in circles. Um, that's going to get played a lot today. And, you know, it, as I say, it'll speak for itself and people will decide whether they think that's legitimate or not. Right. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, if the debate does go. The next debate does happen. It'll be within the time in which he's quarantined. If everything goes well and he has a good speech uh, today and reassures the markets or whatever, the American public that he's OK and our enemies that don't try anything. And he starts preparing for that second debate. Everyone's talking about changes that they're going to make. You know how hard it is to negotiate the actual rules leading up to your debate. Do you suspect they're actually going to agree to changes to a debate in which there's another element to it? And that's the town hall format. Well, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I have talked to people in the commission uh, since my debate. And one of the issues that was raised was having a, a mute switch and, uh, you know, on the mics. And, and you certainly could do that if you wanted during their two minute statements when nobody's supposed to interrupt anyway. But so I, I really have had two objections to that. And I've expressed them to the commission, first of all, on a practical level. I think that that, you know, if and I, you know, this is just we're just playing a, a thought game here and a, a hypothetical. If one person decided he wanted to continue to interrupt, first of all, it probably could be picked up on the other candidate's microphone. And secondly, it would in the hall, it would be heard and it would continue to disrupt uh, the debate. And secondly, they were saying, you know, let's put a mute button uh, on the desk with the with, for the moderator. Can you imagine? A moderator. I mean, I'm thinking of myself, but you know, I'm not. I'm not in it anymore. Uh, pushing a mute button and saying, you know what, American people, 70, yeah. 80, whatever million people, I'm going to interpose myself between you and the president, or you and the Democratic nominee, and I'm going to say, no, you can't hear what he's saying. Sure, I wouldn't do it. Plus, I've also uh, so heard I think some both on a practical and a principle level. I think it's a mistake. Having said that, the the, the commission hasn't decided if or they're going to do anything. Well, plus, I've also heard some concerns from conservatives saying this next guy who's going to be the moderator, he interned for Joe Biden. What if he pushes mute if Joe Biden's about to have a gaffe because he doesn't want that going out? <laughs> I'm not saying that I, that he would do that because I'm hoping these moderators would go in without bias. But that's some concerns for the from conservative friends that I've heard. Uh, well, absolutely. Now, I mean, I will say in fairness, Steve Scully, and I was surprised to hear that he was at one time uh, an intern for Joe Biden. That That is... <laughs> less than desirable. Yeah. But uh, any of us who have known him for years, he's uh, as straight as they come. Uh, and and you know, the big thing about the town hall that kind of changes the, the whole equation is the vast majority of the questions are not asked by the moderator. They're asked by real people right. uh, talking about their problems. So, uh, you know, it, it really, to a large degree, is taken out of the moderator's hands. And uh, I would I would hope one, that the president is going to get better. Again, that's absolutely our overwhelming concern. Two, that we can go on with the campaign and the debates. Uh, and that three, uh, they when we get to the town hall, that they're busy answering the questions of real people about their real problems and not uh, playing games with each other. Yeah, indeed. All right. Uh, Chris Wallace, what a week to remember. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be watching this weekend. And, and, who, knew, and who knew Tuesday wasn't right. going to be the uh, the big news making of the whole <laughs> yeah, week? It is. This is the week to remember. Thank you for pointing that out. Now, I'm going to take you back to my Twitter feed because, you know, I saw exactly what I expected from, you know, people that don't like a little bit of truth. So I tweeted this out. 
It's about impeachment. Obviously, one person, I believe you, but there's no dates on these tweets, right? Well, I just put the article when I was actually locked out of my account after I tweeted those, and it's in there, and it was dated. So hopefully he'll see that, and many others will, because it was a specific day. I could have tweeted it out because I was telling you it was impeachment, a different one. I needed a marker. I needed a marker to show you that at this time, right now, when we're panicking and we feel that there is nothing we can do, because this is what they're spreading. New York Times has spread it too, you guys. I needed you to see that we already know what's going on. I'm obviously doing them closer in time. In any case, you know, I don't have the record to show you. Obviously, I have a lot of you on my Twitch, on my Facebook, on my DLive, and I can keep getting them out. But I was supposed to tell you a long time ago, this is how I'm giving you, the people, actual, tangible evidence that we already know. We already know. So I'll send, I'll post the link to that article quickly. It's on uh, archive. Um, here you go. And I'm putting it in DLive as well right now because I have to switch screens. I just wanted, you know, even if truth hits you in the face, sometimes you can't even see it because you don't want to. You are resistant to that because you don't want to see the truth. And now it is about the 25th Amendment. It is about impeachment. I told you it was. It was just where they wanted to bring it. But this is how you use their plan because we have to trust their plan and thump it off to work for you. So it's really, really important that we understand that, that we already have control because a lot of people in, in more hijacked scenarios and other platforms that I, you know, emanate information, disseminate, emanate information to you, uh, are compromised. Everything is compromised. The only thing that I have control of is what I tell you I have control of. And I'm showing you, I have full control of, which is my voice, my platforms that I have full control of that I'm willing to make public. So again, I, I am on parlor. I don't use it much for a very specific reason, but I do have it. Uh, you know, we have to trust that the president knows what he's doing. And it's important because here's what they are pushing. And I told you that they were. Here we go. Um, there we go. Raising a red flag about the number of people he may have come in contact with recently. And dozens of those people over the past week who work with him or were at rallies or events. Meanwhile, New Jersey's governor says state officials have begun contact tracing after the president's big event fundraiser in Bedminster, New Jersey, yesterday. I want to bring in White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany, who, by the way, tested negative yesterday and today. I was relieved to hear that. I know you're a new mom. Uh, and you, wish Harris. the best, Kaylee, to you and your family. Absolutely. Look, this is tough for anybody to learn. He's the president of the United States uh, with a lot on his plate. Okay. I have to say, I am so proud of this reporter because she's not a journalist. She's a reporter to nod and say you are a new mom. And I'm happy to hear that everything is great. We lack that so much today. So I just have to say that actually got me really emotional to say in all this disgusting, that was a fabulous comment. Wait, when did the president learn of Hope Hicks positive COVID 
19 result? Because that's kind of the, the beginning of our learning about it in the media through her. So when did the president know about Hope Hicks? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that, Hope. I'm not going, or excuse me, uh, Harris. I'm not, I don't know the answer to that. I'm not going to get into an exact timeline, uh, but safe to say the president uh, took precautions. Uh, he learned of his positive test last night within an hour. Uh, we put out that information to the American people. I spoke to him and he was in very good spirits and is having mild symptoms right now. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about how he and the first lady are doing in a moment. Um, some concern today is that Hope Hicks had traveled to Cleveland, Ohio. And we don't know if that's where the original spread happened, but we say that because the president was with her, was closely with her and the first lady. And in terms of notifying staff and journalists, people on the ground at that next event in Minnesota, they would have traveled together after she was known to have to have tested positive. She had signs, symptoms on the plane. Air Force One, it's been reported they quarantined her on the plane. What, what were some of the decision-making around not maybe notifying people then? So I was unaware um, of what was going on on Air Force One, but I can tell you this, um, immediately um, when she got a positive result, and I think the chief um, answered this question this morning as to the timeline of just before Marine One yesterday, uh, immediately there was contact tracing that was put into place and all of the necessary procedures. Uh, contact mm -hmm. tracing takes time, uh, but rest assured, we will always do what is in the best interest of the American people and those around. And I have confidence in the White House Medical Unit uh, to make the right decisions as they did uh, with Hope and with others. What are some of the protocols, Kaylee, that are changing? You know, I, I watch you every day with your White House press briefing. And as a mom, I'm always concerned because there's some mask wearing, but it's a tight space that you guys are in. And you're not wearing a mask because you're speaking and you're at the lectern. Are those things going to change? Are you going to take them outside as long as the weather will permit? And by the way, I'd stand in snow. I don't really care about the weather. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, look, we put in place safety procedures. Um, the White House Cor Correspondents Association has spaces in between the chairs. Uh, we wear masks in the White House when we can't socially distance the president. We make sure we're always six feet away and we stay um, away from each other. So we'll move forward um, with those same procedures. Um, and we believe that we will protect um, those here in the White House as we come to work. Um, as we're essential workers. You know, the president's positive test results have also put a, other big events in question, like the vice presidential debate set for next Wednesday, I believe it is, and the second presidential debate scheduled for October 15th. That debate between President Trump and Joe Biden falls within the president's 14-day quarantine period. What is the plan right now? So we haven't gotten that far uh, just yet. You know, this morning and this afternoon, we're focused on the president. Um, we're having to uh, hold him back a little here because he's hard at work. He spoke to <laughs> Senator McConnell today, Senator Graham. I just spoke with the chief of staff and uh, President Trump has talked to him about emergency declarations and stimulus. So uh, we're just trying to make sure uh, that he takes it easy, but um, he's hard at work and will yeah. continue to. All right, let's get into it. Um, the president reportedly now is showing some mild symptoms. And we saw Melania Trump tweeting out that she had mild symptoms. So this is not asymptomatic COVID-19. And we don't know what's ahead, um, but we're prayerful that it's gonna be a speedy recovery. Tell me about what, what's happening right now with the president, how exactly they are both feeling. Yeah, so he's having mild symptoms, but he's feeling good. Uh, he's in good spirits. I spoke to him last night, um, and he uh, absolutely was hard at work um, and was feeling good then. He did um, a long Hannity interview right here on this network. Um, so he he's feel Yes, he's feeling good, but again, has those mild symptoms, as the chief confirmed this morning. 
Look, I want to move on to something that's hard news. The New York Times is coming under fire for suggesting President Trump may not remain on the ballot. President Trump, it says, quote, revealed early Friday morning that he and the first lady had tested positive for the coronavirus, throwing the nation's leadership into uncertainty if he becomes sick. It could raise questions about whether he should remain on the ballot at all. Kaylee, what's the response from the White House when you hear that from the Times? What a ridiculous assertion by the New York Times. Um, that may be the hope and the wish of the New York Times, uh, but President Trump is the uh, president of the United States. Um, he's on the ballot. Um, he's hard at work. And look, if you look at the jobs report just today, those remarkable numbers getting below 8% unemployment, no one thought that was possible. It's mm -hmm. a testament to what this president has done. He's put his head down. He's worked. He's continuing to do that. Um, and he will all the way through November. Real quickly, uh, I know, I don't know if you heard Carl Rove has come up with all these ways the president can actually work from home. <laughs> and it was interesting. <laughs> he talked about like a telephone town hall. He had, he had quite a list. Will we see a national address from the president? Look, I won't confirm exactly what you'll see from him, but it's safe to say that um, you'll be seeing and hearing from the president as he moves forward with his working schedule. Uh, we're exploring um, a number of different ways to do that, uh, but he wants to talk to the American people. I can tell you this about President Trump. Uh, this man loves the American people, loves speaking to them directly, um, and nothing's going to stop him from doing just that. All right. Appreciate you being with me to give me an update. Give my best to the first family. Thank you, uh, Harris. Good to see you, Kaylee. Good to see you. Absolutely. All right. So again, I told you that it's important to know what, who, and how you trust your gut. And here's where I show you why I was telling you all these things in March. Here's what is trending on Twitter. Everyone wants him off the ballot, 25th Amendment now. Huh. So interesting, isn't it? So interesting. Very interesting. I wonder who pays this guy. He's tweeting a lot. CB in touch. Hmm. Real estate. Wonder if he works for Pelosi. Because they're like, hey, if Pelosi and Pence are busy, if uh, Trump and Pence are busy, then Pelosi comes in. Damn, this guy is really pushing the hashtag, isn't he? You see this? This is how you know that we're in control. This is how you know the president has full control over the situation. This is how you know, and this is how those of you that are like, this is BS. You have no idea how many emails I get. This is stupid, you know, and a lot of people saying, your drops are just dumb, <laughs> this and that. And it's like, okay, um, I, I, you know, responding to some things would confirm other things, so I don't. But I wanted to show you, in effect, you were told on the 25th for the purpose of that impeachment scam, pushing him out. It won't be long. It will not be long. And it's better to have him safe and sound when things are going down. We've got Harvey Weinstein charged with six additional sex assault counts in Los Angeles. And we have to remember that his own family had a report child trafficking <laughs> foundation. I just wanted to point that out. So when you see insane tweets, uh, you know, you can understand exactly what is happening. He didn't call the COVID-19 a hoax, according to AP and other facts checkers. So they're saying that he didn't call it a hoax. He just said, calm down. Maybe we need people to 
to see just how things get corrected and how a cure already exists. And Lara Logan, excellent, excellent share that I'm going to show you from LinkedIn. They knew about COVID years ago, specifically. Let's look at 2002, U.S. Representative for Agricultural Security. Very important. This has to do with COVID. Okay. This is unconventional. Look at how far back we already knew that people have immunity to this. I did mention why. I did tell you about the bovine and the antibiotics we use on cows and how it's there and, you know. We do use bovine cells for uh, cultivating vaccines. Again, one thing you need to understand is that our president is safe and the administration has full control over this. You know what? I'm kind of looking forward to uh, a virtual uh, town hallish type debate. Because that's where we can really mop the floor. Because we have technology, they don't. They have, but you know, it's not from the, remember what I said, using technology that is not of this time, you must have an objective perspective or else you see it in the light you want. It's kind of like the way I look at myself in the mirror. I still think I'm a size six when I'm actually a 16. So it's the perspective thing again. So I want you guys to remember that when you see what is happening and what is coming, what we need to do is prove them wrong. guys. So on that note, I want to bid you a wonderful evening, a great weekend. Please resonate on a higher frequency. Don't let people get you down. Hopefully that one thing that I put at that time in my, you know, professional Twitter account uh, resonates with you. So you understand there are a lot of people that already have every single plan they have, their backup plan, their B, their C, their D, their F, and their J. And I wanted to say J12 yesterday, in effect, is a new coding that they have for guess what? SARS-2 related symptoms. So now your death will be recorded as a J-12. I want you guys to pay attention to that because that's pretty interesting. And I did uh, put out a, um, a tweet uh, saying the word chartreuse. And the question was, do you remember it being a green and yellow or a red, maroon, red? Think about that. And I'll see you guys on Sunday for surprise movie night. And uh, God bless everyone. Stay safe and pray. Pray because we're going to need it. 32 days out and we're going to have a lot coming. God bless everyone. And stay really really strong, especially in a time that they are telling us that we are losing, especially during that time that they tell us that we are losing. Because guess what? We aren't the ones losing. They are. They're the ones in pure panic, hence the 25th Amendment. So you have to understand, we've always been in control. And stay tuned because...
there's going to be more coming out very, very soon. God bless.